Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. A zone. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I don't know if you realize it or not, for the first time in at least 26 years, Wisconsin's got a voice on the House Agriculture Committee. Currently, that is the voice of Derek Van Orden. He is our third congressional district, a brand new representative out in Washington, D.C. And like I said, the first time we're getting a Wisconsin voice on the House Agriculture Committee in decades. And it comes at the right time. We're talking about the 2023 Farm Bill and its development. We're going to hear more about the process of becoming a member of the House Agriculture Committee. Derek Van Orten talking with our own Bob Bosold as we roll our way through a Tuesday. How are you doing? How did you enjoy that weather yesterday? I don't know. I was doing some traveling, and if you were like me, you were grateful that uh, the temperatures held fairly flat. I was a little concerned when precipitation started kind of coming in to the state of Wisconsin. We'd run into problems, but I think for the most part, everybody was able to manage through. Now, as we get started on a Tuesday morning, we are going to see more clouds than sun again today. But temperatures, again, quite mild for the uh, seventh day of February. We're looking at daytime highs today around 38 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds again, 42. Thursday, another 80% chance of precipitation back in the forecast. But again, with the daytime high around 35, I'm guessing it's probably going to be more rain than uh, snow or sleet. We'll see. Friday, uh, some more showers possible, 29. But then again, in the weekend, it looks like we're back into the 40s. Uh, what kind of precipitation can we expect? Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, of course, coming along for the ride in about 15 minutes. Speaking of coming along for the ride, John Heimberg, Market Advisor from Total Farm Marketing in West Bend. He's going to be joining us as well this morning. We're also going to give you a quick recap on some of the details from the Wisconsin FFA Alumni Convention that wrapped up over the weekend. So again, another one of those mornings where we've got 10 pounds to try to fit in a 5-pound sack. We'll get started with it all in just a moment. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Josh Grit is in a real bind. He's the service and general manager as well as a co-owner of Wapon Equipment. So what's the problem? Like many shops out there, he can't find enough skilled service techs to meet the needs of his customers. From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. Josh, you told me that you have 26 service techs across your locations, but in a perfect world, how many would you have? Probably like 32 or 34. Josh, why do you think there's such a shortage in service technicians? A lot of that stems from 40 years ago, equipment was a lot simpler, so you could train somebody in a week or two on most of the basic stuff. Now, uh, the equipment's exponentially more complex, so you can't learn it in 10 minutes or two days or three days. It's quite an extensive amount of training to get the basics 
on even just how to troubleshoot and diagnose the equipment. So with the added productivity and added all these efficiencies that, that OEMs sell uh, to growers, with it comes exponential complexity from a service and maintenance standpoint. And it's not just a lack of service techs. You say it's also farmers relying heavily on shops. You know, 40 years ago, a lot of guys could work on their own equipment. 30 years ago, they could do the basic stuff themselves. You know, they had the tools and the capacity to be able to do it. And now machine complexity has made that difficult for people to do even, for the most part, basic maintenance on their equipment. So it's not even necessarily that there's more equipment or anything like that. It's it's uh, very few people attempt to do any of their own maintenance just because of the complexity of the equipment now. So you're short on people, and not all of the folks you have in the shop have that advanced knowledge needed to work on some equipment. What does that boil down to for farmers? Ooh, slows down the turnaround time. And there isn't a lot of equipment out on lots that can be used as a rental in case of a bigger breakdown. You know, that's kind of the double-edged sword of the times we're in. You know, if you go back two years, two and a half years, there was a most industry pundits will call it a, a glut of inventory, too much stuff. Now the last year and a half with all the supply chain shortages and uh, new equipment cost going up and availability going down, uh, it's kind of cleared out all the equipment that was on lots. So not only do your shop turnaround is longer, your availability to have a backup machine is almost non-existent now. So it's a, definitely a double-edged sword. And then it's almost like three edges now because you also have the parts availability issue and supply chain issues where you know, a part that you could normally get overnight in a day might be backordered for six weeks. So now it's, you know, coming at you from the worst case scenario in all situations almost, unfortunately. So what do farmers do if they have a big breakdown in the middle of corn harvest? That's a struggle. Um, some of them have gone to, you know, they hire, if they got a neighbor that's got it, got something they can use or a neighbor that's getting done or someone, a custom guy to come in and finish up some acres or, you know, hope that it can get patched together in a timely enough fashion to be able to finish up but we've been fortunate i mean there hasn't been major catastrophic stuff um, what we've seen some guys do in the past year uh, when they do trade equipment or when they update equipment they don't trade their old stuff in they keep the old one for a spare just in case um, we're seeing a lot more of that in the last year and a half it's a nice thought but that's hard to bankroll yeah especially with rising prices and so on. So what would you suggest is the best way for farmers to keep their equipment out of your shop? I mean, I know you want the business, but you've got a lot of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in a perfect world, it's it's regular maintenance, off-season maintenance. Um, we do winter service programs. That is hands down the best way to... It, then if you have breakdowns in the season, they tend not to be catastrophic. They tend to be, you know, simple things that can turn around in a day. If you wait on fixing this piece and, you know, try to risk it we're going to get through one more season with it well if one piece breaks and it grenades and creates a chain reaction and then you've got a catastrophic breakdown versus if you do the maintenance in january february march or you know in the summer if it's a combine you wind up you know if something breaks it's one piece because you have you've, you've maintained the rest of the machine and it's just a kind of the course of regular business you know you, you have a tire go flat or you have a light bulb burnout or you have a you know belt break pretty minor stuff that you can turn around pretty quick you don't have something that fails and takes out other pieces because you're you're running a machine that hasn't been properly maintained or serviced or updated. Like many of the equipment dealers 
listeners out there, you offer on-call service for after hours, but are you still able to do that even though you're light on techs? Not to the extent. You know, it's kind of when it's available, we do, but it's not always available. That's That's been a struggle. So you mentioned catastrophic events. The one I think of with as dry as it's been this season is combine fires. So what are your recommendations to make sure that farmers aren't starting their combines on fire this fall? Right. Yeah. Get get friendly with the air compressor, air nozzle. Make sure you know your filters and cab air filters and everything are clean. You know, just clean and chaff off a of high rotation spots. You know, bearings and pulleys and belts. You know, making sure there's not four days worth of chaff and oil built up sitting around just waiting to get hot and spark. Like if you got a bearing out, replace it now. Don't try to limp it through for another day because then you might wind up with a fire and there's no backup machine for you to have. So then you're up the creek. Preventative maintenance is a great idea, of course, but are those parts available? Can you get the filters you need? Those have been, for the most part, uh, readily available. A lot of the, the general maintenance, you know, oil, filters, the, the stuff that's been hard to get has been specific components like in high dollar components like hydraulic pumps and gearboxes, you know, things that'll actually prevent you from moving. General maintenance stuff has been, for the most part, available in short order. So, you know, that, that can go a long way, you know, checking the machine over even a week or two before you're going to head to the field and just make sure that there's nothing loose or cut. That It is amazing. That'll cut your downtime immensely. I don't have a stat for what it does, but I just know when we get all the guys who we service through on a winter inspection for combines, we tend to have a lot fewer service calls in the fall, and the service calls that we do have wind up being minor, you know, not something that would stop a guy from combining. It's a more of a technology thing like this function doesn't work, you know, this cool creature comfort, but it doesn't really affect whether or not the machine functions so you can still get your crop out of the ground. Circling back to getting service technicians hired, there's a lot of talk these days about skipping four-year school and going to trade school instead. Are you seeing that? You are. Um, the dilemma is, you know, it just takes time. You know, I think there's a lot more kids that are pursuing trade schools now and tech schools going that route. But, you know, it's really just started in the last year or two, maybe three. So, you know, it still takes two years of going through a program and then two or three years of doing kind of like apprenticeship type stuff. So, you know, I don't think you'll see the the results of that for probably two or three years yet before you really start seeing a new flock of uh, next generation of technicians and stuff coming in. So, you know, you're kind of in that in-between time right now. Um, You can see it, you know, you go to like a high school graduation today and they've got a list of, you know, 50 kids that are graduating. 10, 15 years ago, it was 45 kids going to four-year school and five going to trade school you know now it's a closer split you might have you know 30 or 40 percent going to a trade or community or tech school and you know maybe half to two-thirds going to uh, four-year school and I I joke about it a little bit but you you have mullet competitions again we didn't have that for a long time I have seen those (laughs) yeah I mean it's become more of a you know some of the these social media stars uh, for farming, like millennial farmer and corn, coal the corn star, and those type of guys have kind of created a perception of making that in again. You know, those guys are having an impact on people that are wanting to make a make a switch. Basically, you know, they're sitting there and they're watching videos on coal the corn star, and they're like, "Man, I want to get into that." I think you're you're just starting to see that now, though. It's cool that it's happening, but I I don't think we're going to see the positive of it for probably like two or three years yet till we get some more people through programs and trained and learning and so on. And so forth. Well, Josh, we better let you get back to work so you can move some more tractors through your shop. Thanks for joining us. From the southern end of the Longest Barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. And Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization for over 100 years. Join now at wfbf.com. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. I grew up around animals. When I went to help a neighbor milking cows, it's when I realized there was a whole other aspect of being a veterinarian. And the dairy cows, I just kind of fell in love with them as an animal, the neatest animal on earth, so to speak. I really want them to be the best functioning animal that they can be. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. Oh, yeah, here we go. And uh, I think everybody might get excited about getting up and getting out there this morning. I mean, uh, this weather, it's the 7th of February. Let's talk about it. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, along with us. I was just telling Stu I had to... uh, be uh, involved in a uh, attend a funeral yesterday up in the Twin Cities and then bring my mom uh, back down to Madison. And I was really worried about the precipitation factor yesterday, not the temperatures. We knew that was probably on the up and up, going to be pretty decent. But that precipitation got a little sleet by the Twin Cities as we started to come south, and that was it. Uh, did anybody get anything, Stu? Well, there was something over in eastern Wisconsin, but for most of us, from what I'm seeing this morning, I've got reports uh, officially from the airports at Madison and La Crosse and Fond du Lac and uh, even at Mauston, for that fact, all indicating about two hundredths of an inch yesterday, you know, late afternoon, evening. Now, I do see over in southeastern Wisconsin, Jackson and Washington County, 23 hundredths of an inch. Over on the lakeshore, two rivers up in Manitowoc County, 25 hundredths of an inch, a quarter of an inch. But everybody else on that light side, a little trace, that system about out of here now, pulling away from northeast Wisconsin, the cool fronts through the state. It's going to leave us behind. And what it leaves us behind is it's mild air. Temperatures stayed very, very mild through the nighttime. All of us talking about upper 30s or even a low 40. Things melted a whole lot in my backyard last night to early this morning. That first step out met me with a little wet right there because the snow had melted off. Not that that's a bad thing. Like Pam said, it's the 7th of February. We don't expect a February thaw. How about that? 
But that low is pulling away. Like I said, there's some rain over Lake Michigan, some snow east in the UP. We, through the day, will clear out some sunshine, redevelops. That's all well and good. Temperatures stay very mild today, tonight, tomorrow as well. But we do have to look for another low-pressure system to swing up out of the southwest. My expectation is low-pressure old down around Texas, Oklahoma, is going to head up into mid or even northern Illinois into the day on Thursday. Now, that system, as it moves up from the south, will bring a lot more mild, moist air with it, helping to warm it up for Wednesday. That's all well and good. But then I expect we look for a little rain Wednesday night, rain and snow quite possible, and that mix of precipitation around into the day Thursday. The forecast maps I'm seeing indicating a, a greater possibility for some Call it real accumulating snow, something over an inch or two, and that kind of lines up Mauston. Get ready. From Mauston up into central Wisconsin, where upwards of four inches of snow or more could accumulate right in that area as we make our way through the day Thursday and into Thursday night. I think for the rest of us, uh, west, south, and east, we're talking an inch or two of some real wet, sloppy snow. I mean, it's going to be mixed with rain, a rain-snow event for Thursday into Thursday night. Oh, there's no deep freeze to turn it all into ice. I just expect it stays kind of sloppy at least Thursday into Thursday night. We stay a little below freezing Friday, so crunchiness, how about that? But that mild air returns for Saturday and the weekend. In fact, we may find our way back up around 40 or so as we look towards Sunday or start on into next week. I'll have those forecast details right after this. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. The whole point of a turnkey installation is that you don't have to do anything for this system. We do it all. All the permitting, we do all of the work. Anything that needs to be done to make this system up and running and good, we take care of it for you. It seems like it never fails. I, I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. Sure enough, that next month they want to show us their bill. Look, zero dollars. Go green, save green at OlsonSolarEnergy.com. At Compure Financial, we provide services based on your needs. So whether it's ag lending, crop insurance, or other financial services, or you're seeking industry expertise from a trusted advisor, we're here as a partner and member of your community that is defined by you. Contact your local Compure Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compure.com you for your lending and other financial needs. Compure Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. All righty, Stu. Just got a text message from one of our boys in the North Country. Said he had a thunderstorm last night. That's a surprise. Well, that doesn't surprise me is that mild air built on in over that cold area. Rumble of thunder, not out of the question. Not going to amount to anything, though. In fact, today I expect, although we start out cloudy, those clouds will degrade and erode. It will gradually clear, so brightening up today. Not bad. A lot of upper 30s. There still could be a 40 reported somewhere. Temps may drop off a bit this afternoon, especially the Cross and Boston start cooling earlier than we'd think. West winds 5 to 15 still could gust near 25 today. We stay clear overnight and drop into the low 20s as west winds will be at 5. A mostly sunny day Wednesday. Some afternoon clouds building into the west again. Very low 40s for highs, way above normal. South winds about 5 to 10. Then Wednesday night, late night rain could be mixed with a bit of snow, a rain-snow mix into the day Thursday. Like I've said, an inch or two for a lot of us. Mauston and areas then heading northeast could be upwards of four or more. 
real wet sloppy stuff into Thursday. Temps a little above freezing, mid-30s, 35 or so. Northeast winds early, 10 to 20, gusting to 30, become west later in the day. That snow should end late Thursday night or early Friday, Pam, and a little cooler, I'd say upper 20s Friday, so things may be a little crunchy for you after all this moves through. Yeah, but then it gets warm again next week, it looks like. Well, yeah, you clean it all up again on Saturday, (laughs) Sunday, and Monday. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about that tomorrow. How about it? All right, sounds good. See ya. (laughs) See ya. Stumach Ag Meteorologist baiting us with some good news about what may even be coming down the road. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning again. Uh, Stumacher Ag Meteorologist. Don't forget, you got weather observations. You want to just talk to me, send me a note, what have you. Use our talk text line, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Love to hear from you. We've got John Heinberg. We'll hear from him as well. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Iuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org slash join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. 
I'm Mike Yenser at Wise Wave Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Sweet Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. This is a better Northwestern team than in the past. And I don't have their resume in front of me. I'll, I'll pull it up. But Dude, they were talking about Chris Collins on the Broncos. They're trying to make their second ever tournament under him. I understand. Second ever. I understand. But they were talking on the broadcast last night. And Northwestern probably has, like, their worst loss they were talking about is to Pittsburgh, who's probably an NCAA tournament team. They lost to Auburn. They're a top 15 team. But... They they beat Indiana on the road. They beat Illinois at home. Like this isn't the worst. Nor- like this isn't normal Northwestern. This is right? not your father's Northwestern. No, I'm not saying that that they're very good, but it's not as if they're a pushover like Minnesota. Like if you start getting waxed by the worst teams in the country, then okay. But I I'll find where Northwestern sits in Kent. You Bond. had two. They were like fifty something. You which had, is which is like like they're one behind Michigan. I think they were like fifty seven, and Wisconsin was sixty three. So they're fifty eight right now. Wisconsin sixty seven. Like they're clearly better than Wisconsin this season, but they're one behind Michigan. They're. It's not as if they're great, but they're not as. It's not a classic Northwestern loss. Well, here's the, this is the reason why it's it's egregious and bad. You lost to Northwestern twice for the first time in twenty five years. You lost both games by one basket. You had their big man in foul trouble in both games, and everyone knows that they are very limited once their center gets in foul trouble. You did exactly what you set out to do. You couldn't make free throws. 
Your offense was trashed down the stretch, and I think for a part of that, that is on guard. His play was Chucky Hepburn ISO. Chucky, go get us a bucket. Chucky, go make a play. Chucky, make a pass. He didn't make them, and it was awful, and the offense the last two minutes was terrible, and you lost the game. And it's two games where it's looked like that, two straight games against the Northwestern team. That's average. Yeah, they'll probably make it as like a nine seed. Who cares? You should be beating that team. People have higher expectations for Badger basketball when you're talking about a Dick Bennett to Bo Ryan, now to Greg Gard, where they've basically made the tournament for what? 23 out of the last 25 years? And the two times they didn't make it, that was under guard. I'm not saying that it's not at all. Uh, I'm not saying that guard is completely free of blame here. And, And obviously a lot of this stuff... I would draw back to him. I guess I am just getting somewhat tired of having the same conversation after every loss they have. When, like, as I've said, the team is flawed. The rosters, the roster was not best equipped to win this season, and he did not do a good enough job last offseason in bolstering the roster. So that only leads me. I think you only get so many passes. Like, how how many passes has he gotten? You can say that the, the, um, Ethan Hat, Brad Davison freshman year where they had Brad Davison playing with one shoulder because everyone was injured and Okay, so he's gotten one So that's that's the one pass. So what did he but what did he do after that? Because I'm sure during that year everybody thought the same thing. Oh, Bo Ryan's players are suddenly gone and now the program's a disaster. What did he do with all of his recruits and his entire team? Is he won the Big Ten two out of three years and he would have had a deep NCAA tournament run if there was a tournament, but there wasn't. You don't know if there would have been a deep run. We they were the hottest team in the country. But here's here's the other here's the other thing though. This would be his second pass year. I'm I'm not actively out here screaming. I think he should be fired, but I definitely think the sheet the seat is hot. And if if they continue to struggle the rest of this season, like the way they're playing, they're not going to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They are going to be on the outside looking in. Now they can save themselves. Do I think they actually save themselves and make the tournament? No, I don't think we're watching Badger basketball in March Madness. And the NIT doesn't count. And I hope if they were invited to the NIT that they turn it down. But I actually think Greg Gard, some of his numbers, some could be inflated. Because think about the team he had for two years after it was handed to him by Bo Ryan. They had the remnants of the Final Four team with Nigel Hayes. But it's not as if Gard wasn't there for that run. He was an assistant. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying is they had the remnants of the final four team. Yeah, they didn't have Frank. They didn't have Decker, but they still had Nigel Hayes. They still had Zach Showalter. They still had Bronson Koenig. They had some really damn good players there, and that was the couple years he made it to the Sweet 16. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, with the way this weather's warmed up, a lot of our livestock owners across the state are going to have to start monitoring just exactly how they're managing manure. Not supposed to be out on those fields if we've got rain in the forecast. And indeed, we do have precipitation coming up a little bit later this week. Glad you're along with us. I'm Pam Yankee. Yeah, today we should see cloudy skies in 38. Tomorrow, cloudy skies in 42. 
Thursday's when we've got a good 80% chance of precipitation, 35 degrees. But then again, I say in the weekend and into next week, temperatures well above freezing. So today is the seventh day of February, despite that weather forecast that I just shared with you. On this day in 1867, Laura Ingalls Wilder is born. She was born near Pepin, Wisconsin. Of course, we're talking about a famous children's author, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Her family moved away from Wisconsin about a year after the, that she was born, but actually they came back to Wisconsin between 1870 and lived here until about 1874. And that's really the time in her life where she focused in on Little House in the Big Woods, the book that turned into the series. Laura Ingalls Wilder, born on this day back in 1867. Happy birthday also to former Senator Herb Cole. He was born on this day in 1935, a Milwaukee native, graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a business, a Bachelor of Arts in Business Administration, and then an MBA from Harvard in 1958, obviously former owner of uh, the Bucks. Former president of a business corporation, also served in the Army Reserve and, of course, previously represented Wisconsin in the U.S. Senate. Happy birthday, Senator Herb Cole. There's other people celebrating birthdays today as well. Uh, Comedian Chris Rock, 57. Ashton Kutcher, who is uh, not only known for TV, but also uh, on big screen appearances. He is 45 today. Who else do we have? Country music artist. Garth Brooks celebrating his birthday, as well as uh, English actor Eddie Azard, all celebrating on this date. Happy birthday. You know, you could say that Wisconsin should be celebrating for the first time in decades. We have got a voice on the House Agriculture Committee. That's, of course, Congressman Derek Van Orden from Western Wisconsin, representing the 3rd Congressional District. He talks with our own Bob Bosold about how he received the appointment to the House Agriculture Committee. And if you thought it was easy, if you thought it was just put your hand in the air, Van Orden wants you to know it's a little more complicated than that. Here, there's a 22-member steering committee, it's called. Uh, it starts with all the Republican leadership, and then you vote regionally for your steering committee representatives. Ours was uh, Brian Stiles. He's from the other side of the state, or by Kenosha. And you go and you interview with every member of the steering committee, and you explain to them why you should be on these different committees. And it's to help your district, to help your state, uh, you know, why you're qualified to do this, um, and then uh, how you think you can best serve on the committee. So I went around, I interviewed with 22 different people, explained to them about the district. You know, we have not had a member on the agriculture committee from the third congressional district in 26 years. And it's not, you know, the big sexy committee. It's not on television and people don't send you checks in the mail and all that stuff, but it's a workhorse committee and it's the best uh, selection for my district. What are some of the things that you told them that you'd like to advocate for agriculture? It's an organic district. It's a dairy district. It's on the Mississippi River. What kind of things did you tell them? I told them that we need to have a voice at the table of somebody that understands farming, somebody that uh, is completely dedicated. And this is what I told GT. I said, GT, I want to become the cheese king of Congress. So I want to be the dairy and cheese expert. From the state of Wisconsin, for Pete's sakes, read a license plate. It says the dairy state on the license plate. 
So I want to do that to make sure that uh, we're properly represented and that we can hopefully stabilize as much as we can this, this you know volatile commodities market to make sure that our farmers are respected. I also told them that I want to make sure that we are educating our youth and bringing them into agriculture uh, because we're you know one generation away from not being able to raise our own food. I also told him this, you know, my, my background, I'm a retired Navy SEAL senior chief, and I wrote some unconventional warfare campaign plans, including the one being exercised in Ukraine right now. And so when I say food security is national security, I know what I'm talking about, and that we are nine meals away from anarchy at any point. So when we talk about how do we make sure that at any given uh, point in time in the United States of America, we're able to feed our people, I understand how to make sure that we can implement some food safety things, that we can implement some security things to make sure we don't, for instance, have like JBS getting hacked again. There's only four meat cutters in in the country. JBS uh, got hacked. That was a malicious uh, uh, attack. So we lost 25% of our ability to process meats in a blink of an eye. And you are getting into Congress uh, in a very critical year. 2023, we've got to write a new farm bill. How far along, or what is the process you've heard from the chairman, Tom, Mr. Thompson, about uh, putting proposals together, having meetings to start talking about putting this together, but both the Republicans and the Democrats, so we need a bipartisan bill here, as you know. And what kind of proposals are you putting forward, specifically on a farm bill? Well, here's where we're at with the farm bill. Uh, me and a bunch of the members of the committee went out to uh, Pennsylvania with GT to the Pennsylvania Farm Show, which I'll be honest with you, um, it's pretty neat. They got a whole bunch of stuff, but these guys take big blocks of mozzarella cheese and then they bread it really thickly and then deep fry it. And they call them cheese cubes. And uh, we're just we're doing this panel in front of like 300 people. Uh, it's like, look, I got to tell you, you guys are doing cheese curds wrong. You need to come to Wisconsin. I mean. I represent Ellsworth and Westby, two of the best cheese curds in the world. But um, So here's what we're doing. We're going around. We're talking to farmers. We're talking to people involved in the agriculture industry writ large. And we're asking them what worked in the farm bill and asking them what needs improvement and how can we make this better. So right now we're not throwing around any proposals. We're doing the responsible thing of speaking to the folks who are affected by the farm bill every single day. We're going to gather all this data. We're going to go out to California next. I did talk to GT, and we'll make sure you're looped in on this. So the chairman of the Agriculture Committee agreed to come to the state of Wisconsin to hold one of these listening sessions with us, which is going to be awesome. Wisconsin's 3rd District Congressman, that's Derek Van Orden again. He is the first voice from Wisconsin on the House Agriculture Committee in decades. Now getting ready to craft a 2023 farm bill, we hope. And like he said, hoping to host a listening session here in Wisconsin. We'll keep you posted when we learn details on where and when. Well, they were in Waukesha over the weekend for the 2023 Wisconsin FFA Alumni Association State Convention. Congratulations to Bobby Joe Montgomery from Wapaka taking over as president. Grant Stashik from Bondwell, president-elect. Nick Lowe from the Stoughton FFA alumni was selected as vice president. Terry Wilford from Michicot, the immediate past president. And I have to give a shout out to some of the teachers that were recognized with Outstanding Agriculture Educator Awards. That got them not only recognition, but a little cash. 
Jenna Bergen from Chippewa Falls, Dan Robinson from Lamira, Sandra Dykes from Wyoiga Fremont, and Mariah Marquardt, Walter Taylor, and Hallie Kopchinski from my alma mater, O'Connell Falls, all recognized. Mary Handrich from Denmark was named the state winning educator. Derek Papke, our fellow friend from Elkhorn, given the Outstanding Young Member Award for Exceptional Leadership. Pretty good bunch together in Waukesha over the weekend for the Wisconsin FFA Alumni Convention. Well, I know that John Heinberg's coming up with eloquent details on the markets. Right now I can tell you December corn's down about 3 at 5.95. November beans up about 4 at 13.71. July wheat down 4 at 7.63. March milk is up 3 right now at 17.49. Yesterday barrel cheese dropped 3 to $1.60. 40-pound black cheese down a penny and a half at 1.85. Double A butter on Monday up a half cent, 2.38 a pound. You know it. What is going on in the marketplace? Our man, uh, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing, up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's Jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We are the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Sows, cows, plows, and heck, anything agriculture is on the menu here. It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. All right, here we go. Let's find out what's happening in the marketplace on a Tuesday. Time for our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, to step in. So I guess maybe what we're experiencing in Wisconsin is my motivation, buddy. Let's talk about the weather. Not just uh, this balminess that we're enjoying on the 7th of February, but let's talk about weather uh, not just uh, in in Wisconsin but across the Plain States. Now is kind of a time when we kind of want to pay I guess, critical attention to what's happening with our small grains, isn't it? 
Yeah, very much so. We're getting to that stage. We're coming out of dormancy and some of the winter wheat areas, and we're watching what's happening with the weather models and the weather forecast there. And, you know, things seem to be improving. Obviously, we still got a lot of drought in the western and the southern plains. That's going to be a factor that could come into play in some of those areas if they don't get some key rainfall. But it looks like the moisture content is starting to pick up a little bit in terms of some of the, you know, extended forecasts here across the country. You know, seeing above average precipitation across the Corn Belt uh, seems to be brewing here. So that'll be something that may keep the market a little bit limited. You know, the wheat market is still struggling with the demand side of the equation. In terms of the global scale, again, U.S. wheat is just struggling on competitiveness. But we've seen things tick up in the last handful of weeks. You know, earlier wheat inspections this year in October, actually, we hit as, uh, you know, basically 51-year lows in terms of shipment levels in the marketing side. And now things have been kind of clicking, and we're right back to where we need to be with the USDA pace. So, you know, we got a USDA report coming out here tomorrow. We don't see a whole lot of adjustments maybe coming in that wheat side because at least that export pace has got back to where it needs to be, at least according to what the USDA is forecasting. Yeah. Uh, let's talk then about weather elsewhere. Uh, one of the big conversation topics we focused in on last week at the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo was South America. Argentina, Brazil, how are they doing on weather, John? Well, we got a tale of two stories still continuing there and in those two regions. Obviously, Argentina stays on the drier side. That's kind of keeps support in that soybean meal market and keeps the, the crusher, you know, capacity numbers, uh, you know, kind of lifted here in the United States to maybe meet some possible meal demand. That'll be one of the big numbers we watch tomorrow in terms of the USDA report is going to be the adjustments they make on that Argentina soy crop. And we're expecting that to come down a little bit more uh, from where the USDA was on last month's report. Out on the other side, the, you know, the world, obviously, or the other side of the country, that we got Brazil. Things are wet right now. Harvest pace is running behind schedule. They're about about 50% of where they should be. I saw yesterday they're about 10% harvested, should be in the 20% window. We still got a monster crop coming, and, wet, and the wet weather is at the same time adding some more pounds to it at this in the finishing stages. But it's kind of slowing things, getting things to the ports. We had a really good month of, week, of, of shipments here in January for soybeans, and that was was because of that slow harvest and we saw China quickly turn to us to pick up those bushels. Now that might be coming to an end. We'll see real soon here as those beans are starting to get out. But again, they're behind pace. The biggest area that might become a watch is what's going to happen with the second crop corn. Because again, they timed that out so that corn can get finished out at the right time window and now it's getting delayed in some of its planning and that means it might be finishing that corn crop out during its dry season which obviously could hurt those yields. Well, and that's just uh, a big part of what's going on with uh, corn and beans, that marketplace. Uh, just since I kind of poked the bear earlier on with John and I uh, commenting or uh, messaging back and forth, one of the Wall Street Journal articles this morning is how big oil says that they're going to back off a little bit on renewable fuels. Uh, the West Coast and their demand for biodiesel, another big conversation topic last week. There, You don't sense that big oil is going to back off for long, huh? You know, again, we've seen a really big investment into that green sector, especially in the soybean crush side, and it's something this market's really counting on. You know, we're continuing to watch expansion or new growth coming into the soybean crush all the way up into 2026. You know, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago we had the, the Shell Rock plant in Iowa opening up, you know, and that's going to take in just a, a massive amount of soybeans in that area of the world. We got other plants coming online over the next handful of years, and it's going to just increase that crush capacity – 
that's going to bring a demand for soybean acres. So we'll see how that comes out. Not that it's going to be maybe the move that ethanol was and when came into the corn side of the equation back in, in back in 16, but uh, or 06, excuse me. But at the same time frame, it's going to be something we need to kind of watch here because we're losing some export demand to Brazil from China to Brazil. We're going to probably replace a good chunk of that with this crush capacity, and that's just going to be something that this market is going to really be counting on. So it still sounds like uh, the, the the bio side of the things are going to stay active in the marketplace. The investments are already kind of put in place by some of, the, of these other companies. And I think that's still something that's going to be a key to this market going forward in the next handful of years. Well, and so many products that come from that process, it's not just about the the oil. Yeah, very much so. Obviously, you know, the oil's there for the biodiesel side of things, but then you got the excess on the soybean meal side, which is quickly becoming the other byproduct in this. So, you know, that could be an opportunity on the feed side that we'll have some strong supplies of that here. Maybe we become a stronger meal exporter, obviously competing with Argentina as the world, one of the mm-hmm. top largest exporters in terms of the, in the global scale. But obviously, that should provide opportunities for feed uh, breaks or feed costs here for producers in the United States as this product could be available. You know, the market Market's quickly shifting, and in the past, always been about soybean meal. And when the meal market moved, that drove the soybean market. But like even this morning, we got a good pop in soybean oil on the overnight prices, and soybeans are higher this morning. And so we're seeing that market kind of shift to the, the focus more on the profit from the oil versus the meal. Uh, speaking of uh, feed, we probably got a bunch of exhausted uh, lamb and beef producers out there. It's busy time of the year on the farm. But boy, it, 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 you might be getting rewarded if you watch the beef markets. The cattle market continues to really roll, especially after that cattle inventory report here last week and just showing those tight supplies and that tight cow-calf, excuse me, can't talk this morning, cow herd that's out there. And uh, that's going to continue well into the the, through the year and as well as probably into 2024. It still looks like cow slaughter pace is picking up. One thing we got to watch too, if the pastures improve, do we start seeing the heifers come out of the feedlot and go back into the replacement herd? That's even going to tighten the supply up even more so. You know, in fact, yesterday, April 24, which is a year from now, took out the all-time high that we set back in 2014. We're trading 172.15 for April live cattle out there in 2024, and that eclipsed that number from back in 2014 at 171.10. So again, there's great value out there for producers. Make sure you're taking advantage of it because we know how fast the cattle market can move. And the hogs on the other side, though, a bit of a difficult situation. We just got too many hogs in this cash market. Just can't seem to get any footing right now. Doggone it. Risk management, what it's all about. John, remind them how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Love to chat with them anytime. Feel free to give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email, johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And again, that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. I mean, a lot of folks probably bumped into you at Corn Soy last week. Where's your next uh, assigned uh, detail? Well, basically, going to be getting a show done up in northern Minnesota for an insurance uh, mm-hmm. agent up there. And again, if anybody ever needs anything like that, feel free to reach out. Love yeah. to come out and visit people. Good. Excellent. All right, buddy. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks. Sounds good. Have a great week. John Heinberg, again, joining us live this morning from his uh, studio in West Bend. Always a pleasure to have him breaking down the latest news, literally, as it is developing overnight. So, uh, as we said, TotalFarmMarketing.com, the website where you can get it all started. We'll get it all started tomorrow. I think we're going to focus in on the upcoming U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Enjoy the day. This 